You're listening to the Weed Smart Podcast. Each podcast, we look at what's going on in each cropping region, focusing on those pesky weeds. Welcome to another week of the Weed Smart Podcast. This week, we're going to be focusing on pre-emergent herbicides, speaking with Dr. Chris Preston from the School of Agriculture at the University of Adelaide. And then later on, we're going to hear from agronomist and consultant from Delta Ag, Heidi Gooden, who is based in the Lockhart area. But first of all, Pete, how are you going? Yeah, great, Jess. April, beautiful time of year on the coast here. Just fantastic. Yeah, so have you been making use of the good weather? Yeah, well, yesterday was beautiful and I kids are on school holiday, so quickly ducked home, grabbed the dinghy, went for a bit of a snorkel with them off Point Moore here in Geraldton. And we're very excited because we uh, had a seal come up at the end of the dive and we dove with it for about 20 minutes and the kids jumped in with it. Yeah, it was really great, really exciting. They were pumped. Very cool. I would love yeah. to have that experience. Seals are like the dogs of the ocean. Yeah, it was just like a dog and it followed us all the way in. We conged in slowly and it oh, followed cute. us all the way. How nice. How about you, Jess? Have you been making the most of the beautiful April weather? Yeah, been doing a bit of stand-up paddleboarding before work. No dolphin sightings this morning when I went out, but last week we did have a couple of dolphins swim by our boards, which was nice and magical, and I do it in the morning, so when the sun's coming up, it's pretty special. But, yeah, getting a bit dark and a little bit gloomy now. I think from now on, yeah, the, the golden time has ended now. But, yeah, it's been a really good summer and autumn so far with the water sports. It's always good to get out on the ocean or on the river yeah absolutely but we haven't been getting all the rain this autumn like uh, previous seasons have seen it's been quite dry in lots of parts of the country pete and that's obviously a bit of an issue for seeding can you give us a little bit of an overview what's happening in the west yeah there's sort of almost no such thing as the average start to a season though we get everything and anything and this year in western australia is generally very dry i mean there is some moisture at depth in some areas where we had early rains. I think that was in about February where we got significant rain, um, but not much since. So dry seeding has started. Most people, I think, in Western Australia are putting seed into dry soil. And, um, uh, yeah, there's not too many getting deep enough to put it onto moisture, but it is still pretty early. And, yeah, hoping to uh, obviously get that season break at some, some point soon. Yes, definitely. And Heidi Gooden gives a good overview, and we'll hear from her later on uh, the uh, region she's from, the Lockhart area, which is also experiencing quite a bit of a dry spell. And obviously that impacts what you can do with your herbicide application, and we're going to be talking about that with both Heidi Gooden and Chris Preston in the podcast. But did you have an overview of uh, pre-emergent use that you would like to share with listeners, Pete? I guess we talk about mix and rotate herbicides and particularly for the pre-ems and so we talk a lot about mixing two pre-emergent herbicides together and then rotating to a mix of hopefully another two next year and so that is our overarching message one of our weed smart big six mix and rotate herbicides and i guess that's not only good for from a resistance point of view but a soil conditions point of view as we'll hear from chris and heidi in a minute 
Yeah. Well, let's duck into that interview with Chris Preston and we've got some promotional material we have to get through first because this is a preview of what Chris Preston will be talking about in the webinar he will be presenting next Thursday on the 26th of April. And we've actually got two webinars, one with Mark Congreve on the 24th of April, which is on the Tuesday, and then the Thursday with Chris Preston. And so you can sign up now on the Weed Smart website, either from the homepage or the link will be available with this podcast so yeah make sure you sign up because it is next week so not much time we don't want you to forget it and miss out so it's going to be both webinars will be focusing on pre-emergent herbicide use and they're going to be really good so and you'll be you'll be hosting pete which is another benefit yes yeah i'm actually on leave i'm going to be in albany having a nice holiday with the family but i'll um i'll be co-hosting from albany and uh looking forward to it so yeah two guys with great wealth of knowledge on herbicides in general and pre-emergent herbicides in particular. So Mark really focusing on pre-ems and residuals in the north, in that northern New South Wales, southern Queensland area, and Chris really focusing on the pre-ems in the southern farming system. Yeah. All right. So now that that's out of the way, let's take a listen to Chris and his advice on pre-emergent herbicide use. Today we're chatting with Dr Chris Preston, he's the Associate Professor for Weed Management at the School of Agriculture, Food and Wine at the University of Adelaide and he's going to be giving us a little bit of a preview on what he'll be chatting about in his webinar which will be on the 26th of April and that's entitled Use Preams to Maximise Winter Crops in the South. But firstly, how are you going Chris? I'm well, thank you. Perfect. All right, well let's just launch into a little bit of an overview of uh, what you'll be looking at in the webinar obviously your focus will be on pre-emergent herbicides and diminishing the weed seed bank but can you give us a little bit of a brief overview on uh, some of the core points you'll focus on in that webinar well as a bit of background because we've got lots of uh, resistance to the post-emergent herbicides in our grass weeds um, you know particularly in the cereal phase there are pretty much no post-emergent herbicides you can use to control a couple of our key grass weeds We've had a much more focus on pre-emergent herbicides and the issue with pre-emergent herbicides is they're not as easy to use as post-emergent herbicides. Um, with post-emergents, you just wait for the weeds to come up and you go out and spray them and hopefully they die. And with pre-emergent herbicides, you've got to make that decision before the weeds come up and you've got to work out which product you're going to use, where you're going to put that product and you need to be thinking also about things that you might do next. So it's, it's a lot more complicated and what I want to do in the webinar is sort of tease out some of those complications about how you make, might make decisions in particular circumstances. Yes, yeah, certainly. And it's a bit of a tricky season in the south with there being quite dry conditions at the moment and that obviously impacts on pre-emergent behaviour. Do you have any tips that you could share now around selecting pre-emergent herbicides to use in these kind of conditions? Oh, well, I think that that's one of the, you know, one of the big questions that I get a lot. You know, it, it's dry. People want to sow on the calendar. Uh, you know, we've done a whole lot of work showing that, uh, you know, sowing date, you may as well sow on the ideal sowing date for the crop rather than try to uh, get extra weed control prior to putting the crop in if you're in a continuous cropping system. So, you know, it's dry. What do I do? What products do I choose? And it is quite complex because... You don't even have to know it's dry, but you've also got to know how dry is it. Um, And so last week in the south, before we had any rain, I would have gone, look, it's dry on the top 
and it's dry below the surface. So really, you know, you've got a range of choices open to you. So you can use your trifluralin works for you. You can use a trifluralin-based next. Um, you could use um, Sakura. Uh, but you probably don't want to go with box of gold in that period. But now we've had some rain. That changes everything because it changes the way some of these products behave. And so it's going to add a, an extra set of complication to making that decision. And from a theoretical point of view, in these sort of dry starch, trifluralin is probably your best choice. It's probably the herbicide to choose every time, provided it works on the ryegrass. And the trouble we have in the south is that a lot of our ryegrass is now resistant to trifluralin. So knowing your resistance status in that paddock can help you make decisions too. So, you know, then we go, well, our options then are trifluralin mixtures if we don't have too much resistance. But if we've got too much resistance, then trifluralin is out. And then we get into really complex because in this, we've had rain, but then it becomes dry. So we have moisture under the surface, dry on the top is the worst situation we can put Sakura out in. So those circumstances, we don't want to be putting Sakura out unless we are certain we're going to get, you know, 10 millimetres or more of rainfall in the next 10 days. So there, you know, maybe the choice is that if you can't put Sakura out and get it to work, trifluralin's not going to work. Well, do you put anything out up front or do you wait and use a box of gold as a post-emergent option in crop? So the decision-making gets a lot more complicated and it's going to be a paddock-by-paddock choice depending a bit on how dry it is on the surface, how much moisture you've already had, are you likely to get rainfall? And so all of these come into the decision-making and this is why it gets so hard to get it right. Yeah, it does sound very complicated and obviously if you're feeling like you might need some advice, really good to consult your agronomist or advisor to really cement those decisions that you make because obviously there can be a big cost with weed burden and and money spent if you don't get it right. There is also, to my understanding, different uh, pre-emergence using different soil types. Uh, Could you go into a little bit of detail about that? Yeah, so that's really about understanding the behaviour of the pre-emergent herbicide. So the big three things that you have to understand are moisture requirements, so how much rain do you need to activate these pre-emergent herbicides. You need to understand your soil type. So lighter soils, pre-emergent herbicides are going to be much more mobile and that risks increased crop damage, but it also risks that for very mobile products that they might actually get pushed out of the root zone of the weeds and so not be effective. And if you've got... Um, high organic matter, that's actually going to hold up some of your pre-emergent herbicides so they won't go down as well. Um, you know, trifluralin is probably a particular issue where you've got a lot of um, organic matter sitting on the surface. So, you know, soil time comes into this as well, but also, you know, your season length and, and the amount of rainfall you're going to expect over the winter period comes into play. And we've certainly done a lot of work looking at how do we how do we mix pre-emergent herbicides to get extra weed control in those higher rainfall zones. And so we've come up with a range of strategies, ranging from what you might do in the high rainfall areas down to what you might do in the low rainfall areas. And, you know, for a lot of the low rainfall areas, if trifluralin's working, it's probably good enough for most of what you want to do. You might add some abidex to it, perhaps, to get a little bit of extra control. But when you get up into the high rainfall areas, you're looking at strategies like Sakura plus Abidex up front uh, 
and maybe coming back with or secure up front and maybe coming back with box of gold as opposed to merging depending a bit on on the ryegrass pressure you're expecting so the things that we have to think about is our strategy is going to change both by soil type and also by the amount of rainfall we're going to have and so you need to be thinking about all of these things when you're making your decision because you don't want to put out a pre-emergent herbicide that's going to give you crop damage but equally you don't want to put something out that's actually not going to control your weeds yeah certainly so that will obviously be spoken of in more detail in the webinar and there'll be opportunities for people to pose questions as well and it's really interesting that you've got all that information on different rainfall zones and so that's going to be obviously helpful for a range of growers and agronomists who who need some information on that or just want to get an update one common question that is posed is why pre-emergent herbicides don't work as well on brown grass as they do on annual ryegrass and you will go into this in detail in the webinar as well but i was just wondering if you could give a little bit of an overview of the reasoning behind that. Well, I think there are two things there, one of which um, brome tends to have a, a little bit more tolerance to some of these herbicides than ryegrass. Ryegrass tends to be more susceptible. But the second one is that we've had a fairly big change in uh, difference in the way brome grass comes up compared to what we see with ryegrass. So ryegrass will typically get a flush on the break and then nowadays what we see is a flush after you sow. With brome grass, most of what we're seeing in paddocks now is coming up quite late and the herbicides have tended to dissipate before that. And then there's the added complication of brome seeds tending to bury themselves, particularly in light soils. And so those sort of that sort of triple whammy of brome grass being more tolerant, being in the wrong place and then coming up later uh, means that it's a lot harder to get good control of brome grass with pre-emergent herbicides than it is with ryegrass. Sure. And we touched on resistance um, earlier, but could you just share with us uh, the current status of resistance to pre-emergent herbicides? And um, obviously you've touched a bit on how they should be used and and that kind of thing, but if you could just give a bit of an overview on pre-emergent resistance status. Well, the the worst situation we have is with trotter resistance where, you know, in South Australia, in most areas, it pretty much doesn't control ryegrass very well anymore. Um, you know, we would have any, anywhere from about 50% of populations resistant to 75% resistant. Now, that's different for other parts of the country, so resistance to trifluorin is still low in Western Australia. Um, it's still low in New South Wales, but it's increasing in Victoria, particularly in the Wimmera region. Um, not so much in southern Victoria, but in that Wimmera region, it's increasing. So trifluorin is one we're getting resistance to. What's been happening over the last few years has been resistance to the Group J herbicide. So these are trilateral Avidex and uh, Arcade, Prosulfocarb, which is also the main active ingredient in Boxergold. And this has come along somewhat more quickly than we initially expected. So we're seeing this after around about six to eight applications of these herbicides. And that is causing us some real concern because where we have trotulin resistance and group J resistance, we're down to the group Ks. Mm. And we picked up our first populations that are resistant to um, Sakura coming out of the field uh, in this last year. They're, they seem to be coming from cross resistance rather than selection themselves. But we don't understand very much about it. Sakura mostly works on these populations, but not as well as we'd like to see. So we do actually have an issue looking forward where we might have resistance to all our main pre-emergent herbicides and post-emergent herbicides in ryegrass. 
yeah definitely all right well chris thank you so much for that overview and obviously people can catch answers to those questions in much more detail in the upcoming webinar on the 26th of april which we will put all the details up on this podcast for you to be able to sign up and register but thank you so much you're welcome Thank you very much to Dr. Chris Preston there from the University of Adelaide. And a little bit of a gloomy note to finish on, talking about how resistance is just going to extend further afield, Pete. Yeah, we can be a bit of a depressing bunch, can't we? <laughs> yeah. Talking about resistance to everything, and uh, but I'm sure Chris wasn't focused on the fact that we're all doomed or anything, but the uh, re- reality is, is that we're starting to see resistance to some of our really valuable new pre-emergent herbicides so we do have to treat them with respect and the precious resource that they are. Yeah that's right and I think it's important as well Chris touched on that in that interview there that you do need to be as a grower and advisor open to using different herbicides when it calls for it and there's obviously lots of variables in deciding what to use isn't there Pete? Yeah well that's right Jess I mean a lot of people obviously do paddock plans these days and they have the recipe written out in front of them and to go well this wheat paddock here might get secure but I guess what Chris was saying is there's certain conditions under which say herbicide like secure or any of the pre-emergent herbicides there's conditions that, that they like and conditions that they don't like so I think yeah, it's a bit of a reminder that we do need to stay flexible and if if the conditions are not suiting a particular herbicide we need to change on the run I think yeah. which also helps with herbicide rotation but also the mix and rotate thing mixing a couple of herbicides together with different properties can get around a bit of that in terms of if it's dry, trifluralin might be a bit better. If it's a bit wetter, Sakura might fire up a bit more. So, yeah, I guess the message being is yeah, to stay a bit flexible at seeding time with the pre-em herbicides depending on what the soil moisture conditions are doing. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, so definitely not all doom and gloom. And, uh, yeah, you can be a bit flexible and then you can have a good outcome if you're uh, willing to yeah change on the go when needed we're also going to hear from Heidi Gooden in a minute Pete and she talks uh, about pre-emergence as well and she's going into quite a little bit of detail about the conditions in which certain preems will work and and she gives some really good tips was there anything that you took away from the interview that you'd like listeners to really hone in on when they're listening to this interview Pete yeah I guess once again, it's talking about that soil moisture conditions, isn't it? And Heidi sort of said at the moment they're challenged by dry conditions and, and that makes life pretty tough and yeah. everything's good in farming when, when everything's perfect, when we've got plenty of moisture, but that's uh, that's pretty rare, I guess. And so Heidi really gave us the very realistic view of what's actually happening in the field from the perspective of an agronomist and a, and a farmer who's living and breathing it every day. Yeah, definitely. All right, well, let's take a listen to Heidi's interview. I'm chatting with Heidi Gooden now, who is an agronomist and consultant for Delta Ag, and she is based in the Lockhart area. But firstly, how are you going, Heidi? I'm well, thanks, Jess. How are you today? I'm pretty good, pretty good. I am looking forward to finding out a bit more about what your thoughts are on using pre-emergence. But firstly, I did want to get a little bit of background on where you're based and some of your work as an agronomist and consultant. Oh, thanks, Jess. Uh, yeah, I'm an agronomist uh, in Lockhart. I work for a company by the name of Delta Agribusiness, also farming with uh, with my husband, David, at Os- Osborne, which is just south of Lockhart. I've been in Lockhart now for uh, for 18 years and um, I've seen plenty of different uh, different seasons and variety of seasons, so it's been a, been a pretty 
pretty interesting ride from, from the day I stepped into Lockhart. Yeah, certainly. And so what's it looking like this year compared to other years so far for this time of year? Well, interestingly enough, uh, looking at the weather and looking at last year's forecast, we're, we're about even with our with our rainfall year to date, which is ironic because it's actually very dry at the moment. So mm-hmm. everybody's looking uh, looking to the heavens for rain, and it is quite dry. There's been some some farmers that have started sowing dry that have got big programs, but it's interesting. You know, we've had a number of dry and dry seasons and tough seasons since 2000 when I moved to Lockhart, and particularly between 2001 and 2009, where we saw a lot of uh, late breaks during those those few years, but Things have changed a lot in that time, so the farming systems have changed during that time. Um, our reliance on pre-emergent herbicides have changed a lot during that time. Right. And back in the early 2000s when we had our spate of droughts, we could fall back on our post-emergent grassweed herbicides, whereas now, obviously, with high levels of ryegrass resistance and obviously resistance to other other weeds, we need to think very differently about how we, how we go into a into a dry autumn like the, the pattern that we seem to be in at the moment. Yeah, certainly. So are you expecting more weed emergence later on then when you get more rainfall and it's not necessarily going to be a big pre-emergent program for some growers? Well, it's a, it's a good question. I think we certainly would anticipate that without you know good early opening rains, which we missed out on to date, we're not going to get that early strike of, of grass weeds or, or weeds full stop. So whenever the opening break does come, then we're going to see a flush of weeds, which yeah. we'll have to deal with. So unfortunately, what we need to do is, is think about our strategy leading into that, um, and we need to think about the fact that, well, what can we use if the weeds do come up? What, what, what's our strategy? And I think often you're better off to employ a, still employ a pre-emergent strategy, but think about it a little bit differently or use a pre-emergent that perhaps has more flexibility than others. Sure. So given those seasonal conditions then, what are some of the choices growers have when choosing their pre-em herbicides? I guess the, the choices don't change whether whether it's a dry season or, or whether it's a good, good conditions at, at, at application. It just really depends on, I guess, as, as I said before, having a, a strategy to, to use them. For example, you know, trefland can't be, can't be applied after you sow the crop, and everybody knows that, whereas some products like atrazine in your canola program, it might, you might be off, better off in a position where you can apply that in front of a rain event that looks substantial. So you just need to be a little bit careful. But the choices don't change, but you just need to be a little bit strategic about how you apply them. Yeah, certainly. And it is dry, so are there any preams that won't work in these conditions at all? In summary, all herbicides work best under good conditions. So the last four to five years, we've been very fortunate so that the suite of pre-emergent herbicides at our disposal have largely all worked well. Where, where application's been right, they've all worked really well. So at this point in time, we're in a bit of uncharted waters with some of them, but fundamentally what we do know is that they do need moisture to work, and that's, that's what we've got to remember. So from that point of view, we just need to be aware that, that, as I said, some will work better in some conditions than others. Sure. And do you have any other tips on incorporating rules of thumb with pre-EMs more generally? That's also a good question, Jess. I think regardless of whether it's dry or or whether the conditions are good, fundamentally what we need to concentrate on is a, a number of factors. So firstly, always following the label. That's critical to understand what a particular herbicide needs for it to be applied well. In other words, most labels will recommend a coarse to very coarse droplet size for pre-emergence for, them to, for it to work well. 
often I find in practice that some boom sprays are set up on a more medium to coarse droplet size, for example. Yeah. And to counteract this, they're using a higher water rate uh, to apply things better. So we just need to be aware of that and, and sticking to that coarse to very coarse droplet size for our preems is important. And I guess the other thing too, on that note, is your application's critical. So again, making sure you've got a nozzle that can apply that coarse to very coarse droplet size, using plenty of water. Pre-emergence do respond well to high water rates in the, to, in the vicinity of 70 to 100 litres a hectare. Making sure your boom spray calibration's right, that's, that's critical. A lot can be blamed on failure of pre-emergent herbicides is often blamed on the weather at the time. But I think it's important for farmers to, to make sure they're doing everything in their uh, management and power to, to get the application right and then the environment hopefully can look after us from there. The other thing we need to understand with our pre-emergent with rules of thumb is that the solubility of the product that you're using and what I mean by that is every pre-emergent herbicide that we have access to has, has different levels of solubility. So as a rule of thumb, the more water soluble the herbicide, the better it will perform when there's patchy rain around. And so these herbicides need less moisture to, to activate. So as an example, the good old low brand is quite high in its solubility. So a little bit of rain can activate that. Whereas things like Secura and Avidex have a very low water solubility and therefore um, they need higher amounts of rain to, to activate them. So in other words, you're not getting great bang for your buck out of those high-end herbicides under dry conditions that we're experiencing at the moment. Yeah, sure. Um, the other thing, the other tip, I guess I'd, I would encourage uh, farmers to think about when they're when they're planning their pre-emergent applications is the level of crop residue, whether the paddock's been burnt, so or whether the stubble's standing um, or has been mulched, because products such as Treflan and Avidex, for example, can get tied up on on any form of organic matter or, or straw if there's a phys physical impediment to that droplet reaching the soil where it's going to bind to the soil when that product is, becomes ineffective. So you need to be aware of your, of your crop residue loading. And I guess that's probably the other thing too. And, and, and the other tip, I suppose a basic tip would be, if there is a herbicide that you can possibly use in front of a rain event, maybe it's a good idea to, to check with your, your advisor or your agronomist as to whether that particular herbicide, whether you can wait to put that on in front of a rain or whether it needs to be incorporated by sowing before that can happen. So I guess there are just a few simple tips that we need to uh, think about before we, we make full steam ahead with our progress. Yeah, that's very good advice. There's no point putting down a herbicide if it's not going to be effective because you end up wasting time and money in that situation. So, no, very good advice. Well, look, and that's, that's exactly right, Jess. I mean, and that's the point about application is that if we don't get our application right, I mean, the first instance, which we have 100% control over as, as farmers, there's no point spending spending big dollars because... Our pre-emergent program, as I alluded to before, our pre-emergent spend is far greater than what it was 15 years ago. And so, you know, cropping, like every enterprise, is, is an expensive thing to, to do and uh, we need to make every dollar count and that's why, you know, understanding how a, a pre-emergent herbicide works and, and doing the best you can to apply it effectively um, can, can help um, achieve a, a better return on investment for that, for that dollar spent. And when it comes to any late summer weeds which are lingering around, is there a knockdown needed for those? Do you have any advice for people who might be experiencing that situation? Yes, it's a, the, what we're finding at the moment is milk thistle 
as becoming a real nemesis for, for local farmers around here. So two situations. One where the, uh, the milk thistle perhaps hasn't been controlled effectively over the summer or where there's been a, a second germination or a late germination come through in the last, say, four to six weeks. So we're finding that our paddocks are largely clean and then we've got a, a scattering of, uh, of milk thistle through paddocks. So the challenge for us and for, for a lot of farmers is what do we do because obviously most of the, if that's the only weed to kill, we need to be able to combat that. And rather than get too specific, we, with, with something like milk thistle, we just need to think about maybe what sort of options we've got to control that uh, as a knockdown, so whether or not we, in front of a, a cereal or canola, whether we use lontral or whether we're concerned about overusing lontral, which is a bit of a thought that, that a lot of us have at the moment from a from an advisory point of view. We're very cautious of not overusing lontral because it, it tends to be doing a very good job on on milk thistles as the target weed, where we know the milk thistle has developed resistance to group Bs particularly. So there's that option. If we don't want to, to push the lontral too early in the season, then maybe we need to come in with a glyphosate a glyphosate and a, and a group G spike, for example, which would do a reasonable job given well, where weeds are fresh, of course. And there's always opportunities to tidy up milk, milk thistle in, in crop, but that's certainly a weed that perhaps needs a bit more attention from, uh, from the Weed Smart crew uh, <laughs> down the track to, to, to help us control it because it is becoming a, a concern. Yeah, no I, I, guess the, I guess the unfortunate thing is that, that we're not going to get that knockdown on, on right. We're not going to get that strike and, and knockdown of ryegrass like we would have ordinarily. So I think it's just important for, for farmers to to stick to their plan, to sow on time, even if it's even if it is dry. Don't go too early because you, you won't get that bang for your buck out of out of your herbicide. But if you've got a reasonable size cropping program, sow in a sensible time frame that's not going to compromise the effectiveness of your pre-emergent going forward. Sure. Well, that's very good advice, Heidi. Thank you so much for all your insights. Did you have any other final points that you'd like to make or do we pretty much cover the main core points, do you think? Look, look I think uh, we've probably covered the main core points. I mean, I'd like to think that, you know, if, if um, you spoke to me in, in a week's time or 10 days' time, the season will have turned around and we've, we've got a different set of challenges in that, you know, we're, we're sowing into good moisture. But, you know, every, every year the sowing environment changes and, and like I said, in 15 years or 20 years since you know since I've been working in in this area, we've seen it all before. We we know how to manage it. We just have different herbicides than we we used to some years ago, and we just need to adapt to that change and and uh, make the best decisions we can. And obviously, that the best thing we can do is is have a good knowledge base as as farmers. So pick up the phone and talk to your agronomist. GRDC have a, a suite of information about dry sowing. You know, make sure you use the resources around you that, that can help you come up with the best outcome and, and help you make good decisions. And that's, that's what, you know, if you've got a great support network of, of, of information around you, then, um, you know, you can really make a good fist of the year regardless of, of the conditions at, at sowing time. Very true. Well, thank you so much, Heidi. Really appreciate your time. Thanks, Jess. Thank you. Thank you very much to Heidi Gooden there from Delta Ag, based in Lockhart. And Pete, she really did back up what Chris had to say in that first interview and some really helpful tips there for both growers and advisors. Yeah, that's right. They're singing from the same hymn book, aren't they, Chris? Very much the uh, university scientist who gets out in the field a lot and Heidi who is in the field all the time and really coming up with similar conclusions about yeah, how we use our pre-ems and how we get the best out of them in variable soil moisture conditions.
Yeah, and hopefully those two interviews were helpful for growers and advisors out there as obviously this is the time for applying pre-emergent herbicides and we want to try and help you as best we can to get your herbicide application right. And, and yeah, some really great tips from both Chris and Heidi for growers and agronomists alike. And particularly interesting that the focus now is on dry sowing, peat because that's not always been the case, has it? No, it hasn't. It- Oh, look, I don't know when you could say that it really started in earnest, but the modern farming system has got a lot of dry sowing, a lot of sowing by the calendar. Obviously, brings about that heavy reliance on the pre-em herbicides, getting it right. And uh, I guess it really just comes back to that uh, overarching message of it's all about the seed bank. If you really work hard at the weed seed bank and, uh, and get that seed bank down, you can have the confidence to go early and go dry sowing, which is is the best way to for profitable farming in this day and age, it seems. So really just reminding us of the importance of having a low seed bank for a number of reasons. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's about all for uh, this podcast, Pete, but we wish everyone the best with seeding and hope that everything goes to plan. And uh, did you have any final tips for growers and, and advisors out there, Pete? I guess just to advertise that webinar again, Jess, it's on uh, next Tuesday and Thursday, isn't it? Both webinars yes. about pre-emergent herbicides. And uh, if you enjoyed hearing from Chris and uh, in this and Heidi, obviously in this podcast, you'll really enjoy more information from uh, Chris and Mark next week. Yes, definitely. And the link, like we said earlier, is available with this podcast or on the homepage of the Weed Smart website. Well, until next time, Pete. Thanks very much. Thanks, Jess. We'll see you then. <laughs>